you have this life that you live in back in the States for me. And then I went and just saw, I just got a whole different perspective. Uh-huh. It was yeah. sort of like your values. Yeah. Evolved. It was, totally. yeah, it was sort of like, it was still sort of like, you know, the, the, Mar- the day and night Marlena, but it was like on a different scale. Yeah. Um, and I really was curious about this new Marlena in this new world. And I wanted to sort of figure out what that meant. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to Setting Stages with Eddie Mack. It's a show where I converse with people who've carved out an unconventional path. Whether it's their career, their health, or their business, I'm going to share with you their lessons, insights, and stories of how they set the stage for their path. I'm your host, Eddie Macaranis, and I'm a former dancer and the co-founder of Choreo Cookies Dance Team based out in San Diego. And welcome to episode 15, y'all. You're in for another setting stages first, because this episode is part one of a two-part series. And you know what else? This episode couldn't have aired at a more perfect time, because in the United States, we just finished week one of the NFL season, and my guest is an old friend and a former NFL cheerleader for the San Diego Chargers, the city they belong in. She's been featured in Sports Illustrated. She's worked in entertainment through film, hosting, and performing arts. And she spent weekends dancing in San Diego's famous Gaslamp Quarter, and the list goes on and on and on. Her name is Marlena Moreno. Marlena's love for filmmaking and storytelling combined with her passion for animals led her to merge her talents, and she spent years documenting wildlife conservation efforts throughout the world. And as I listened to the episode prior to airing it, I realized that Marlena's story is the perfect example of how experimenting in multiple disciplines can help us fine-tune our direction in life. You can read articles about her online, but honestly, her story is way deeper than any Google-searched article. All of her education, her business endeavors, self-taught skills, setbacks, and heartbreaks, none of that is mentioned once on the interweb. So let me bring it to you first, in depth and in her own words. Here's episode 15 of Setting Stages with Eddie Mack, featuring Marlena Moreno. Let's go. Hi. Hi. Hi, Eddie. (laughs) Welcome to Setting Stages with Eddie Mack. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for for having me. Oh, no, no. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no, thank you. This is good. This is fun. Um, It's been a long time that we've seen each other, though. Yes. So before we jump into kind of like our history, yours Mm -hmm. and mine, um, tell me, like, where are you from? All of that. Who you are. Okay. Um, I'm from Vista, Vista, California, Mm -hmm. Um, North County, San Diego. Um, I grew up on a... I guess I can call. I guess I can call it a farm. Farm, small farm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's really. I guess it. As far as where I'm from. Yeah. We went yeah. to Vista High School together. <clears throat> we did. Yeah. We, we went did to, go. So to that's actually how we know each other. Yeah. Vista High. I graduated a couple years before you. You were a couple years before me. Yeah. yeah. And we were. I think we got tight because of the because da- of dance. Totally. Airbands. Yes. It was airbands. Air yeah. Bands in yeah. My parents' cul-de-sac. Yes. Oh my gosh. I remember. <laughs> yes. Yes. We would do all of our rehearsals and all that. Dude, that was like the. That was the jam. Like, yeah. That was the time. The that garage was the time had mirrors, to be alive. Everything. Yeah. It was the whole yeah. bit. We took airbands very seriously at Vista High School. Maybe too seriously. I think we took them too seriously. Like, I got a little pissed off at certain instances. I'm like, why is this happening? Why am I getting so emotional? Yeah. It was the American Idol back in the day. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. It totally was. Okay, so um, Vista, 
our neighborhoods were, I think that you, growing up on a small farm and everything, mm -hmm. I have a feeling that that may have influenced what it is that you do now. So what is it that you do now briefly? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> um, it's actually funny. It's a question that I hate the most. Um, what I do, I would say I'm a conservation storyteller and content creator. That's very fluffy, I know. Um, but I think that's the easiest way to sum up all the bits and pieces. Fair, fair. You'll take it? There's a lot that goes You'll into that. You'll take it? <clears throat> oh, I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. Um, so when it comes to like family and mm -hmm. all that dynamics, um, siblings and all that too, how, how many do you have? Mm -hmm. I have a sister. You have a sister. Um, right. Well, actually, if we're going to get complicated, I have a sister and a half-brother. Okay. A half-brother who I didn't meet or didn't even know about or find out about until I was in my 20s. No way. I know. Cool. Story won't okay. But I have, um, so I grew up with my sister. She's uh, 17 months younger than I am, so we're pretty close. Right on. Um, and my mom and my dad, um, still together. I mean, you know. Together. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got together. you. Um, and yeah, we grew up on a farm. My dad um, was born and raised in Mexico. He came here when he was like around 12, I think he was 12 or 13 when they migrated over here. He's okay. 13 brothers and sisters. So my dad's side of the family is really big. Okay. Um, and he, I don't really remember exactly how he got into it, but he was a falconer growing up. Mm. So he was always very outdoorsy. So for me, I got, I think I got a lot of the wildlife interest in like the camping and the fishing and sort of like the outdoor lifestyle from him. Yeah. Um, and then my mom who was, you know, born and raised also in Vista and lived on, she's lived on the same property. She's grown up on that farm. So, um, she is a total tomboy. Um, and so I, and she rode horses growing up and so she instilled that in me. Oh, um, yeah. so I, yeah, so growing up I had horses. So I was also, you know, outdoorsy and active in that space. And then hmm. she also growing up put me into dance which I think random sort of dichotomy, but that ended up playing like a big role in my life later. So my mom sort of like was really great with like putting me into dance and gymnastics and keeping me really busy, my sister and myself, um, and then the horse thing as well. Yeah. So I got all those random things from my, my parents, I guess. It's pretty full foundation. In your yeah, it was. I think, um, yeah, like random. I kept busy, which was yeah. good. I think you keep stay out of trouble when you keep busy. Your dad coming from Mexico, mm -hmm. and, um, so he's in Vista now, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does he still do falconing? He well, he still has his falcon. Okay. So um, par yeah. he primarily always had peregrine falcons growing up. Like there were times when I think he had. Um, I think he had a red shoulder hawk, red tailed hawk. I don't want to get the species confused. Um, and then he's raised other other birds and whatnot. He used to do like pigeon, like um, yeah, racing pigeons. I guess. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah racing Whoa. pigeons. Yeah, it's like a. It's actually really cool. You can pretty much release them anywhere, and they, they would come back. So that was like his also a side hobby of his, very strange. Um, but yeah, so he so he still has his falcon, but he doesn't. He's not as active in like competitive falconry anymore. Sure. Um, just he's older health wise, and it's yeah. like you know you have to be able to run after your bird and all that. So I think. He's somewhat retired from it. That's incredible. Yeah, it's cool. It was interesting. It was a really interesting way to grow up, I suppose. So Finally, we're with my dad. <laughs> you, you touched on it a little bit, too. Um, that probably has a lot to do with what's what's influenced your passion now. Yeah, I, I think imagine. Yeah, I think when people ask me where I my interest for, for conservation and wildlife came from, I think that there's no denying, without a doubt, like it stemmed from... My childhood, growing up, growing up on a farm, growing up with Falconer's father. Um, I also had so interesting, like little setup at my my parents' place. Um, like I said, my mom's lived there her whole life, and so she lives there with her two sisters, my two aunts. Um, one of them, my aunt Lisa, who's like my second mom, was. I mean, so we grew up in this like little compound as a family, and so right. my aunt Lisa, she is in love with going to like the zoo, and so growing up, her Christmas present to us every year was San Diego Zoo passes. And um, what was I going to say? And so we would go, like, I would say, like, every weekend or whatever. And so she would take my sister and me all the time. And that also is interesting and funny as it sounds. We would go to the zoo. Like, we frequent in the wild animal park. Yeah. Now it's a safari park. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say we probably went, like, two, three times a month. 
And so I think that that also really got me, especially interested in more like wildlife species in terms of like African wildlife. Um, They have the Heart of Africa exhibit. So I think that also, strange like little side tidbit, also got me really into wildlife as well. Or just curious about it, you know, and being interested. Yeah, two or three times a month going to the safari park. Mm -hmm. It's so cool how accessible that was. Mm -hmm. Um, When you when you consider like um, you're approaching let's say education and everything. Yeah. When you're in high school, did you know that you were going to be involved in wildlife some way, somehow? No. No. Um, no, I would say that it didn't. I think that like going back to what I said about, you know, how I grew up doing, you know, the outdoor stuff and the horses, but then I also was doing this dance stuff Sure. in high school. And I think even like towards like later in middle school and whatnot, um, you know, in high school cheerleading and dance, like that's yeah. what the cool kids do or the pot, you know, and you, I think, you know, as an adolescent, you want to be in that mix. Um, and so I think I started gravitating more towards stuff that was involved with my friends in school, which was like the dance and the cheer and all that stuff. Um, and then I started slowly growing out of more of like my 4-H and my horse lifestyle and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I would say during high school, I would probably was thinking I was going to do something more along the lines of like performance or entertainment. Yeah. Um, and my, I suppose, wildlife seed didn't really like spring back up until late, like much, not much later, but you know, years later, like after, after college really. Um, so yeah, I think there was like a dormant period of, you know, I always loved nature. I always loved wildlife, <clears throat> sure. and, you know, and whatnot, but I definitely didn't look at it as a career path, um, or give much more thought to the fact that I just, you know, I loved wildlife, you know, yeah. I like the outdoors, I like animals, I love animals, but I never really thought of it as a career until later in life when, you know, obviously a series of events. So, so yeah you mentioned performing arts and, mm-hmm. and entertainment so how did you okay so you started to stray i guess let go of a little bit of the nature stuff and yeah. um and you wanted to pursue maybe entertainment or performing arts <clears throat> so what'd you do to kind of set yourself up for that path um i mean i think you just for me like throughout high school i stayed involved like with dance and whatnot and i mm. and then post high school when i was in college um i started doing more like traditional entertainment stuff. So I was living in and out of LA a lot. Like I would commute to LA and I took coasting classes and I was doing commercial acting. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to try out for the NFL to do NFL cheerleading. I thought that would be a cool stepping stone, I suppose, in that direction, a great resume builder, you know, good experience. Um, you know, thought it'd be fun. So that sort of, I think just, I, I, I never really thought I wanted to do like professional dancing, just to be honest, I was never like good enough to be a professional, professional dancer. But I think that sort of led me probably my, the most direct line into like doing NFL, being an NFL cheerleader. Yeah. So I think that that was, I didn't think, I never thought about it in high school, but it was just sort of like something that came up and it just kind of made sense for the stuff that I was interested in. And, you know, I always stayed in school because it's not like I ever thought that was going to be a career career, right, right. but it was just something that I, you know, it was always a really big part of my life. Like dance was a huge part of my life in my like teens. And then I would say in my early twenties without a doubt. Yeah. What's yeah. The Chargers. The Chargers. San Diego, which is so weird. They're still the San Diego Chargers as far as I'm concerned. The LA Chargers, which is... Commentators still make yeah. a mistake. And yeah, they say do San Diego, they? No San Diego way. Just scored a t- I'll I mean, be honest, LA. I, don't, I yeah. haven't followed. Everyone's like, oh, you must be such a big Chargers fan. I'm like, no. Mm. Um, selfishly, like once I was on the team, there was like, it was, once I was off, yeah. I kind of, I'm not like a sports fan, so I had no real interest in it. <laughs> I've, heard you, I've heard you speak on it and, and sometimes post about it um, yeah. in the past, but you seem to have a very respectful memory of your time as a cheerleader yeah, in I mean, the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I think... What'd you take from that? 
Okay, so I think in the NFL thing, um, I think you can kind of take it one of two ways. Like, you can take it way too seriously. (laughs) Um, Or you can take it with a grain of salt, have a good time, you know, take it for the experiences that it is. For me, I was really lucky, and I think that I had a really great run as a Chargers cheerleader. Um, I did it for four seasons. Um, Maybe one season too long. I think, you know, it's kind of the same thing every year. Um, but I was really fortunate to get picked for a lot of stuff. And the thing is, is it's not like you can do that as, I mean, you can, I'm I suppose you could become a coach or, you know, but you can only do it for so long. And sure. I think there are periods in your life where that's a great thing to do, but it is at the time, especially it was a huge commitment. Um, we didn't get paid for practices and something, you know, people think that's like a job job, but it's really, you make little to nothing, you know, mm. you pay for game days some promos here and there, but it is a huge time commitment, especially if you are, you know, in school or focusing on you know, our career. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, I had a lot of amazing experiences come from it. I think it opened a lot of doors in the entertainment industry for me in terms of just side things like booking commercials and, and doing projects like that, that help fund a lot of stuff and sort of create career paths for me later on in life. Um, again, great resume builder, all that, but it wasn't something that I took too seriously. Right. Um, at the time, but no, it was amazing. And the girls were amazing. People think that, you know, oh, it must be catty or it must be, no, it was like such a cool camaraderie team experience. Like those were without a doubt, some of the best years of my life. I actually randomly just had lunch with two of the girls that were on my team oh, nice. two days ago and we caught up and it was, Good. you know what I mean? It's great. And we all stay in contact for the most part, but we, I, we, and we were really lucky. We had a great group of girls and our coach was pretty chill. Like. We had a good quality. Like everyone on the team, you know, has their own know, has their own shit going on. You know what sure. I mean? Like everyone Everybody has their shit does. together. Yeah. Like people are in school. Like they want people who can be good ambassadors to the community. So, um, but it, I mean, it was amazing. I it, I got to do cool stuff. I got to travel. The first time I ever went out of the country was well, minus Mexico, like TJ when I was you know eighteen. <laughs> but the, my first big trip was because of Chargers. I, mean, I made connections and you know go to tour, you know, USO tour and go around the world and perform oh, for military cool. troops and, and stuff like that. That led, and it led to like other really cool resume stuff. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So it was good. Yeah, it was great. I have nothing bad to say. Was that intended to hopefully build your resume, particularly to become a performance artist? Yeah. I think, it, yeah, mm-hmm. I think at the time, like I said, I was sort of like doing like testing the waters with hosting stuff, Sure. thinking that might be something I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I think more so it was just, Hey, I like to dance. You know, after high school, when you're off, you know, unless you're going to dance competitively, you're going to dance or cheer in college. Um, there's not really a lot of career avenues unless you want to make, I guess, be a dance teacher or you know, be a professional dancer, music videos, LA, that whole thing. Hmm. And like, I didn't want to really do any of that, but that was still sort of my way of like holding on to like cheer and dance and like sort of performing and and having like a team, you know, what I mean, a team environment, it. like a sisterhood. Yeah, I, it still was, you know one way to slowly ease out of that like out because I mean you know throughout high school it's like you know I was on the dance team the cheer team and you you get used to sort of that group of um yeah of you know of, of sisterhoods and so sure. for me like it was just sort of like a really cool extension to sort of keep that going a little bit longer yeah yeah to hold on to um, it but yeah I, I think I definitely did it just because I thought you know one I can continue to do something that I like for a little bit and totally. I don't think it'll hurt in trying to build you know a resume for you know whether it be performing <clears> arts <throat> or entertainment whatever it may be. So I think it's great that you did it for the sake of holding on to something that you love doing anyways, you know? And then at the same time, it was also benefiting you in terms of what you might have been pursuing at the time. Yeah, at the time. Even if I hadn't been pursuing it, I think there's no doubt that, you know, something like that is a really unique experience. It's a great thing to be able to talk about. So yeah. I'm excited to share with my kids if I ever have them one day. You can talk about it on a yeah. podcast. Yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, people obviously, you know, a lot of times they're really intrigued by it and totally. think it's, you know, super cool. And yeah. don't get me wrong, it's super wise. Like, it was, it was an amazing experience, but I also, you know, 
like I said, I didn't take it too seriously. Sure. Something where I don't like still live my days out. I get it. You know, it's been a long time. (laughs) You were doing that too while you were in school. Yeah. What did you study Mm, in school? So um, my undergrads, I I did advertising at San Diego State. Uh Um, And so I was finishing that up. I'm trying to think. So it was on for four seasons. Yeah, I think my first two years I was still in school. Okay. Um, and then um, I, I think my third and my fourth year, I think my fourth year I was getting ready to go back to school for um, grad. I did my MBA. So I was going to do that. I think it, it, it was like right around the same time, like right. my last season. I either it started my MBA program already or I was getting ready to do that, um, you know, which was a big reason why I decided like, you know what? It's time to hang up the pom poms. Mm-hmm. I need to go back. F- yeah. Full yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was so, around the same time. Tell me about your studies and all mm-hmm. of that. And, um, yeah, just take okay. the wheel. Um, that's so boring. But okay, so yes, I randomly, um, it's a very long story, so I won't like drag it out, but I started a cleaning company oh, okay. um, outside, like out of undergrad, about, like I say, a year after it. I went straight into advertising sales. Hated it. I'm not a salesperson. I'm terrible at it. Um, so, <laughs> but um, one of my clients, um, <clears throat> you know, sort of knew that I wasn't super happy with my sales job and offered me a position to come and help him build a cleaning business. Okay. Um, wanted me to help with like the business and the marketing aspect of it and all that and sort of help with the brand development. Um, I took him up on it. One thing led to another. Um, I really, when I started doing market research, I was like, I really think there's a niche in green cleaning for us to sort of focus on more eco-friendly cleaning practices, especially if we're going to be going after hospitality restaurants. I think that could be really beneficial in that market. Totally. Um, he wasn't super keen on that. And I thought he wasn't super keen, but he just, I think, wanted to do it the quickest, cheapest, easiest way. And I saw a business opportunity and I was like, you know what? I tried corporate America. I mean, what, for like a year? Um, you know, and I, but I'd worked, you know, throughout my undergrad as, you know, I was working in other marketing and whatnot. I had done more of a traditional corporate environment and I was like, it's not really for me. Yeah. Maybe I'll try my effort. I'll start a cleaning business. So I was doing that, um, like, on my third, fourth year of Charger Girls. So I was doing. Juggling, sort of building that yeah. random business. So you, you, random. you were a cheerleader in the NFL. <laughs> you were a student. Yeah. And you were yeah, Well, I was I wasn't a student when I had start when I first started my cleaning okay. company. Yeah, I decided to go back for my MBA. It's sort of where this tie the Got education it. ties in. Um, was because I was really young and I was pitching. Like I wasn't. I started out doing residential stuff just to get my feet wet. Sure. Um, and then I started doing more um, commercial work. So I started getting clients that had you know multiple restaurant locations yeah. and office buildings. Um, and for and I was young and I think that I had, had maybe it was in my own head. I had a complex of like not being taken seriously. And I am, and I really at the time thought I was going to do my cleaning business. Am I like really dry? Yeah, go oh ahead. Oh my god, You're right? Good. You guys should tell me that I sound like crap. Mm-mm. It's fine. I'm coughing like crazy. I thought you were speaking like a Swahili or something. <laughs> <laughs> like clicking oh my god, I'm so sorry. My mouth That's is so dry. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, like I said, I'm a little hungry. That's Xander over there, yeah, by the way, Xander audience. If you so, heard him. Yeah, I um, I was playing yeah, playing a card game last night, and I just drank, I drank too much. So. I think we're cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> um, so I'm struggle study this morning. Um, sorry. So going back to the what the hell were we talking about? You were just saying that. Oh, sorry, the cleaning the business. Cleaning and business, then yeah, I decided, you know, I thought it could be taken yeah. seriously. Um, you know, oh, if I have an MBA. Also, at the time, I really did think that I wanted to do this cleaning business for ever. Like I was, I in my head, I was like, I think I want to try and make it. Like I want to franchise. Yeah. I wanted to like be the next Janie King, but like green. You know. Cool. I was thinking that's what I really cool. wanted to do. Um, and then. Um, yeah, and then obviously, down the road, you know, you have revelations and quarter life crisis, and I'm like, yeah. you know what? No, this isn't what I want to do anymore. Explain that um, to me. <laughs> Seriously, um, it's, it feels like a whole lifetime ago. Um, I think it was just a series of events. I think 
here's the thing, like any a business owner will tell you, like it's hard. It is hard owning a business. And I think for me, especially the industry that I was in being a service industry, it was um, employee turnover was really difficult. And okay. I think that was something that was really challenging for me because I couldn't expect anyone to ever anyone else to be like as invested in the company as I was. And like, if I'm into something, I'm into it. Like I go hard, you mm-hmm. know? And so for me, I think the employee turnover was difficult and you know, I, and I get it. A lot of people that you know I, that I was hiring and working with a lot for a lot of them it was a side job, a night job because I was doing a lot of after hours cleaning. So a lot of people they had other careers. It wasn't wasn't most people. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but a lot of people don't aspire to be you know a janitor or a cleaner for you know as their career. Like they right. you know they do it for you know interim you know periods of time in their life. And and so you you know you get people who come in for you know a while and you spend a lot of time like you know getting them set up with accounts and doing the stuff and then they would fall face the earth. And oh, then here you man. have these accounts that you have great relationships with and you have, you know, and you want to get their next location and whatnot. And so I've often found myself three, four in the morning, you know, calling my mom, my sister and crying, calling my friends, help me clean, you know, Unreal. restaurants. And so I think, um, that was really hard. Um, it, not, not the physical part of it, like the labor part. Like I don't mind, like I hmm. actually really enjoyed cleaning. Um, it wasn't that part. I think it was more of just feeling like it was, I was never going to be able to, I, I guess provide the service, you know, on my level that I always wanted. Yeah. Like I just, so that was difficult. And then I also, um, just, you're married to your business. Like you can't go anywhere. And I think for me, I didn't grow up with money. Right. So my, you know, my mom's a bus driver, my dad, you know, he did concrete, he did his falconry as well. But, um, you know, we had a very, I mean, I was, we were comfortable. Don't get me wrong. You know, they gave me whatever I needed and put me in dance classes and I'm grateful for that, mm-hmm. but we didn't have money to travel or anything like that. And so I think for me, I finally, was at a place in my life where I actually had a bit of financial freedom in terms of I could, for the first time, like I could go places, I could travel, I could, and I couldn't enjoy, I couldn't enjoy my money as if I was like making millions, but I was doing really well at that time for sure. my age and for what I was used to as a lifestyle. And for the first time in my life, it's like I had the means to do stuff, but I didn't have the time or the freedom or the flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, that's any job, you know, you, you can't just pick up and go, but I think, I started getting itchy and, and thinking like, oh, like this is, I have to be really married to this because if I step away from it, like, you know, you can have a crew not show up to clean and then who's going to be there to take care of it? And so I kind of felt like, <clears throat> I felt a bit tied down. And I think um, that slowly led me to thinking that I didn't, you know, is this really what I want to do forever? Uh-huh. Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want that responsibility on my back? Do I want to be responsible for this many people? Right. You know, um, do I want to be responsible, for, you know, not even just for your, you know, your employees and, and people's jobs and overseeing all that, but also do I want to be responsible for this many businesses who, you know, and I'm providing them service. Yes. And I don't want to disappoint them. 100%. Um, and it was just like a lot of pressure to feel like I wasn't doing it. Like I said, I, I'm pretty like, I'm a perfectionist in terms of, you know, I, if I'm, can tell you I'm going to do hundred. I want, I'm going to go, I'm secretly going to do 120, uh-huh. you know, like I like uh-huh. to over deliver on stuff. And I think I was constantly feeling like I wasn't, you know, able to, I suppose I hear that. Um, yeah. And I think slowly, but surely I just was like, this isn't really for me. So I, um, you know, I was, like I said, I was in grad school at the time and I finished up school and I really started thinking about my options in terms of like, well, how can I, like, I put all this work and energy and time into this company, you know, and it was like at the time. And so I started, and I mean, you know, started in San Diego with a few accounts and I started, you know, and then I had, by the time I was done, I think I had upwards of 42 accounts and I had accounts, not just in San Diego, San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles. And so, you know, I had built this thing and I'm like, I'd be silly to walk away. And I was making, like I said, really great money at that time for my age and for what I was used to. And, um, 
I wanted to find a way to sort of like monetize, you know, or at least be able to figure out what the next step was and like not let that just crumble and fall. And mm. so I, um, luckily a gal who had been doing my accounting and she was sort of managing a lot of some of my stuff, she expressed interest in maybe wanting a partner. And oh, cool. Slowly but surely, <clears throat> she ended up just buying, buying out, you out. And taking it out. Yeah, yeah. So that bought me a bit of time and a little bit of financial freedom Wonderful. to explore. Um, and I think that's sort of where. I really started to go back to what do I really love? What do, what do I, what am I passionate about? What can I, what do I realistically want to do? And I think that became like a real soul switching period for me. What did you do to reflect on that part of your life? Um, traveled. So I, okay. yeah, I traveled. So I was thinking, you know, finally I have this time. Like I want, I knew I wanted to travel. I wanted uh-huh. to go somewhere. Um, and I, interestingly enough, like I remember now that I'm thinking back to it, I guess a little side, side story. Um, when I was in my undergrad, um, I'd always wanted to study abroad. So I lived, I remember living, I lived next to the study abroad office at San Diego State. <laughs> and I remember getting a flyer to go study abroad in Spain. Okay. Um, and I wanted to do it. And at the time I was on chargers. Sorry, I'm taking a sip of my water. You're good. Mm. At the time I was on chargers, it was, I think it was like the second or third year, I don't remember. Third year maybe. And um, I really wanted to do it. But I was torn between, oh, do I take a, a season off? Because, you know, and you're not allowed, chargers you don't miss. Like, also you don't have a life, you know? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I just always felt like I wasn't allowed to really go do anything because I was always committed to something. And so, you chargers, it was kind of like, do I take a semester off? And all my girls were going back. And on chargers, like I said, it's mm-hmm. a very team, it's like a sisterhood. And, you you know, your best friends that you started with, they're like, are you going to go back in, in one more year? Let's do one more year together. Right. And I wasn't ready <clears throat> to totally walk away from that. But I really wanted to study abroad. So I kind of had this weird itch to just go abroad and, and, and specifically Spain, if I'm you know honest, but just to travel. Like I just knew that I wanted to start traveling. So yeah. I'm thinking a little bit, you know, outside of my little bubble of San Diego, and thinking I wanted to see the world and how fun that would be and whatnot. So that little bug sort of stayed with me for you know I guess you know, in the next few years while I was still on the team and focusing on my business and, and getting my MBA and all that. Um, you know, and then here I got to a point where I had the means to like sort of make up for like the fact that I never went on that study abroad um, and I couldn't do it. And so Got I sort it. of, yeah. And so that's sort of really what I was like, well, maybe traveling, like I want to travel. And so when I started doing research, like realistically, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Um, Africa came up. I was just doing research. I was thinking, okay, I'll go and I'll, but I'll do something meaningful. Like I'll go and do like a volunteer tourism thing. And I'm not like a, I mean, there's no sense. This is terrible. I'm not a kids person. So I was like, I don't think I want to do anything like kids yeah. or whatever. And I love people when I was down for community stuff, but I knew like, well, what would I really like? I would yeah. love to do something with animals or wildlife. So when I started researching like projects and what I could do, um, I came across this primate. Um, and so side note, primates are my favorite animal, specifically bonobos, which is a pygmy chimpanzee. But I love that you could tell me about them that so quickly. But I've just always had like an affinity for for, uh-huh. for primates. And so I specifically wanted to work with primates. I came across this cool project in South Africa. Um, and that sort of weirdly enough is kind of where like it I wouldn't say all started. Really? Was finding this project and I was like, okay, I think <clears> so I was gonna so I booked it. And then that was sort of Slowly but surely, it took you know some time to sort of work out the financials and the issues with the, you know the company and figuring uh-huh. out what I was doing with the business. But that I went and when I came back, I was like, "This is what I want to do." So you had this experience in yeah. Africa with the primates. Obviously, yeah. it turned a light bulb on for you. Yeah. I'm trying to de- deconstruct now. Sorry. My, no, that's okay. My understanding <laughs> of it though is that you were pitted between like pursuing the performing arts mm-hmm. because of the charges like one more year are you going to do it yeah and at the same time you were letting go of the business mm-hmm. that that sold and then now you're in this place where it's like what's missing 
And so when you left for Africa mm-hmm. to do the volunteer work with the primates, were you, did you say no to the charters opportunity? No, I already knew that I wasn't going to go back. You knew it. Okay. Yeah. So the thing is, is like, again, like it's, it, it's, I think I said it earlier and I, don't, I didn't mean for it to come off sort of ungrateful or nonchalant, but you know, it is the same thing every year. I got it. Got and like, strangely it. enough on the, you know, on the team, it's like, there's certain things, this is going to sound so like silly in the big picture of life, but on the team, there are things that are important. So it's girls stay on every year. Cause they, you know, they want to make captain or they want to be the pro bowl cheerleader or gotcha. they want to be on the cover of the calendar or they want to get picked for this. And like I said, I was so lucky that to have such a great run and I accomplished like all the check, the check mark things that girls stay on the team for every year. Like by my third season, I think I was kind of like, I was really maybe ready to go my third, like not go, but like my third year I was picked as a purple cheerleader. It doesn't get quote. So again, so silly in the big picture of life, but bigger than that as an Uh NFL cheerleader, Mm because you only pick one girl from every team and you can only go once. So like, it's not like you can go every year or whatever. You can only go once. And once you go, it's like you had your experience. It's it. So girls like sort of, if they get that, like that's still last that's year. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of came back after that. And okay, I think okay. I was already sort of, you know, having like, I want to, you know, I was, I think I was just finishing on my MBA or I was, you know, I don't remember exactly, but around that time. And I was starting to be like, I'm not sure if I want to do my cleaning thing. Um, and so I think I was already having like a lot of, you know, things where I'm like, I really need to take some time to figure out what I want to do. Um, and, tra- and, and again, having, having had accomplished so many things that, you know, I think it ended up being more, um, it, it was just really time consuming at that time in my life for mm-hmm. me to do it. So I knew there was no way for a fifth year. And also like the girls that I started with on the team were also like not coming back and people were moving on to other things. And yeah. eventually you have to, like I said, you have to hang up the pom-poms and move on to yeah. life. So the graduating class yeah, was done. Yeah, exactly. It was it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so at, at that time, like I said, I, um, you know, decided to go on this, on this trip to Africa and it sort of, it changed everything. And I took, okay, sorry. I guess this is here's Please. a good way to kind of pull it together. I'm all over the place. I get it. How about it? Um, so yes, going back to the entertainment thing. So at the time on Chargers, um, I knew Chargers was gonna have to end at some point. Um, I was at that time still like dabbling in on camera hosting and commercial stuff here and there. Um, when I, up in Los Angeles, I was commuting a lot because um, I had accounts up there. So on the side, I would just do that stuff for fun. I was really lucky because of doors of whether you know from Chargers that like opened up to projects. And the thing with the entertainment industry. It's a small circle. It seems like it's a scary place in LA and whatnot, but it's once you do one project, you book one commercial. Like I had, you know, booked a hosting job and then I got called back for other jobs and then the production person on that. And so you sort of, even if you stop doing it, like little jobs will randomly pop up here and there. Right. So I maintained that and continue to sort of just dabble in it. it. It was something that when I was in the industry, I was kind of like, this isn't what I really want to do. This is probably, these aren't really gotcha. my people, mm-hmm. but it's great side money. I booked a couple of national commercials that freaking paid, you know what I mean? More than I was making, you know what I mean? It was awesome. So it was kind of like, eh, if it comes up, it comes up, but it, I'm not like going to pursue it. it. I gave it a little whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but at the time, but I was, so at the time I was kind of like, well, if I was going to do anything, I do think hosting would be kind of cool. Cool. Travel, like hosting travel. I mean, I grew up watching Brookburg on E, right? Yeah. Who did yeah. on Wild On? I was like, oh, cool <clears> job. So randomly at my, um, um, agent at the time was like, well, you know, let's get a hosting role together for you. And so, you know, part of when I was going to Africa, also he was like, you know, but what kind of travel would you want to do? I was like, no, I want to do more like off the beaten path, like wildlife stuff. That's going to be my, you know, so really going to Africa also. So I took a camera with me thinking I'll go out there, I'll do my volunteer stuff. And then I'll also like, you know, get some 
whatever. It's like so it sounds sure it sounds a fucking vain now that I say it. Like, hey guys, I'm you, in Africa, right? It's like, sounds so you, stupid. You were gonna book yeah. your own like wild I was gonna novel. like yeah, I was gonna basically make wild novel like real wild, right? That's awesome. So no, but I was so we were gonna build this real and whatnot and whatever, whatever. So I got there and I felt really stupid doing that. And I'm like, here I am, like at this amazing organization, like doing this stuff, hear people from all over the world. And like, they had such cool stories. Like I was blown away by the people that I met. Not that I hadn't been exposed to great people and other endeavors that I'd experienced, but like, I just, my eyes just opened. I was like, holy shit. Like there's like a whole world out there. People who are so different than I am, who are, you know, different than the way, the way we grow up in, you know, in the States and these people who are passionate about these things, like doing things that actually uh-huh. matter that are important, that aren't like vanity and all this. And so I felt silly sort of being there with a bit of motives of being like, I'm gonna get do like I'm gonna build my rear reel also while I'm here. So I took my camera and I started interviewing people who like volunteers, people who started these projects and working in conservation. And I fell in love. Like I was like, oh my God, like everyone's way more important than I am. Like oh I wanna God. tell these stories. Yeah. So that was and that was like the first time I ever used a camera. So I came back home and I figured out learned how to edit self-taught myself how to like edit a little video and it made this little video about this organization the Robert Monkey Foundation South Africa you can check it out on YouTube <laughs> I watch it and I'm like god I'm so bad <laughs> but um, uh, and made this little thing for this organization and I sent it to them and they were so thankful and grateful and um, it helped promote their project and help bring in funding and help get more volunteers there to like help them continue doing what they're doing and I was like shit maybe there's something there I just huh. really enjoyed one being in the conservation arena I loved meeting the people who were, you know, working in that arena, um, and I really loved like telling their story. I just there was something that felt right about it. I can't huh. explain it. Yeah. So I think that's where, like I said, it all started. Was that trip? I feel like I can relate to it, and um, <clears throat> and not to not to turn it into my own story, but no, what I'm hearing from you some, is something that parallels with why I do the podcast is um, when I think about people's stories such as yours and other people that I've interviewed and the people that I look forward to interviewing in the future, I think that a common theme seems, seems to be that people have found something greater than just themselves, yeah. something bigger than them mm-hmm. that they want to contribute to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you were probably experiencing mm-hmm. having interviewed those those people that had dif- different stories. Yeah. Am I on the... No, you're so on the right path. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, as, as somebody who also grew up performing yourself, right? Absolutely. Dance and all that. And dance mm-hmm. is amazing. It's therapeutic. And, but like, there is something, um, you have opportunities that are team, you know, team oriented and you can go into teaching or whatever. But as a performer, I think innately it is a very self-indulgent thing. Like you perform because it feels good to perform, to get yeah. applause, to do it for people. Like you don't just, it's not like you're in your room doing it just for yourself. Some people might do that. I mean, hell, maybe I do that. Who knows? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But for the most part, you do it for there's the a, attention. Yeah. Or the, uh, maybe, maybe not all, but I think there's an element of that. There and, has to be a piece of that where it's like... Yeah, yeah where it's that. a little... And I think that having, you know... Not grow, like, growing up always, but I think a lot of stuff that I did, you know, through high school, throughout, you know, college with Chargers and all that stuff early on, a lot of, like, my, 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 I always had these, like, two different worlds. Like, I always was still, like, having, like, one foot in sort of, like, a lot of industries that were very vanity-based, uh-huh. very outward, right. you know, I mean, sort of, yeah, entertainment. So, entertainment, you yeah. know, even like nightclub industry, like, which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point, but like, even when I was, you know, working, like when I worked in the nightclub industry is one of my side jobs as a dancer and, um, not that kind of dancer, but like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, that, and you know, the entertainment industry in LA chart, you know, the, as an NFL cheerleader, not that you, there aren't great people in that, but it is very much like, look at me. Right. Um, 
that. And so you're sort of like, that's a very different group of people. It's a very different dynamic, you know? And then I always still had like aspects of my life that were, you know, a little, that were very different to like this world. I always sort of like lived these two strange little you know, in these two little bubbles, like, mm-hmm. cause even growing up, you know, I would do my dance classes and all that, but I'd have my 4-H and my horses. And so it was always sort of, so it was interesting to see that on a much bigger scale traveling and really seeing like, gosh, my life back home and what that looks like. And even with my cleaning business, you know, even though I was like, Oh, I'm doing green cleaning and I'm doing something great for the environment. Even that was still about making money Got and it. accounts and you know <clears throat> recognition and all of that. So it's like, you have this life that you live in back in the States for me. And then I went and just saw I just got a whole different perspective. Uh-huh. It was yeah. sort of like your values. Yeah, evolved. it was. Totally. Yeah, it was sort of like it was still sort of like, you know, the the, Mar- the day and night Marlena, but it was like on a different scale. Yeah. Um, and I really was curious about this new Marlena in this new world, and I wanted to sort of figure out what that meant. So that's where my conservation journey started, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, <clears throat> because I totally get why that light bulb turned on for you. Yeah. It's that there there was something missing, and you didn't you didn't even know until it actually. You, you went to it, you yeah. know what I mean? So that's when you discovered what it is that you wanted to pursue even further. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so it's been a long time that you and I have seen each other, and yeah. even prior to that, mm-hmm. we seldom get to see one another. Um, and we share a lot of mutual friends, which is how we yeah. end up crossing paths. And you gotta love social media. Totally, you right? Feel, you feel, I feel like, literally, I'm like, oh, I just saw you yesterday. Oh, am I kidding, <laughs> right? And so that's what it's I'm terrible. saying. Oh, yeah, hey, it's I remember terrible. that one yeah. time, and I almost want to ask the question yeah. you know, to that, to that respect. Yeah. Like, do you remember the time when... I remember seeing a lot of posts where you were just out of the country quite often. Mm-hmm. And, and the times that you had spent out there, I remember a post that you had put up um, and someone had said basically something to the effect of, you must be so lucky. How the heck do you travel so much? I'm like so rich. For sure. Things. Yeah. But, but the way that you, but your, but your mentality was like, there is no secret. You, you got to put in the yeah. time and save the money to make this life happen. Can you tell me a little bit about yeah. your philosophy at that time? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> look, you don't have to have a lot of money to travel. Like, and, and people know that. And I'm not talking like backpack travel and whatever. And I get you can go, people live on, you know, $10 a day and all that and wherever they go. Mm. But like, I think realistically, especially if you live in a developed first world, you know, country and you have, you know, you can travel. It's about, to me, I really think it's one about sacrifice. And also you, let's be real, you have to have a, whether, you know, whatever you're doing to make money has to be flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, if you have a corporate job and, or you have something that you can't just pick up and go all the time, or you can't do on the road and make money, um, yeah, you're going to maybe get your two weeks here, your two weeks there. But so for, for me, when I sort of went through this like soul searching phase, once I, you know, after Africa, I was like, this is what I want to do. I don't know if I want to do more like travel travel or if I want to do more like conservation and like filmmaking I was still figuring that part out I wanted to do Mm -hmm. more of like focus on like the travel aspect of it or more on like the conservation and the storytelling but I knew I wanted to just be out in the world with a camera like I knew that I just wasn't sure what that really was at that time so I started you know exploring and I really for me it really started with going to like I started really doing a lot of volunteer stuff so a lot of my travel early on was guided by volunteer projects so I find projects that I thought were cool sounded interesting that I thought we're doing a good job and weren't like, you know, a lot of can be very commercial based and whatnot that mm-hmm. I felt like we're doing a decent job. Um, and so I based a lot of my travels on the places I'd go on the projects that I found that I was interested in working with. Okay. Um, you know, and so for me at that time, you know, I had sold my business. So obviously for, for a bit of a time and not, not forever, it wasn't like I sold it and I was like set for life, you know, but it bought me, it bought me, you know, time to sort of travel for a little bit and whatever. But I also, strange enough, and I didn't see plan of go seeking out being a freelancer for stuff, but I had these skills 
um, which is kind of random because I know we haven't talked about it, but I, I had developed skills, so skill sets through the other things that I, you know, had done, whether it be, so when I had my business, like I would pay to get my website done and have it updated. And eventually I was like, F this, like this is, a, I can do this myself. So yeah. I taught myself how to build websites. Nice. Um, and then same with like video editing and production. So I had these like skill sets and then, you know, you know, advertising and branding and, you know, all that business development. So I had these skills that I had done to save money, like, at, through my as my career went on yeah. to like do it so I could just do it myself. I much prefer just to do everything myself. <laughs> you know, just <clears> not <throat> have to rely on other people or spend money to get things done. Totally. I tell, and then it turns out they ended up being really valuable skills that I could monetize around what I wanted to do. And so that I got really lucky because I didn't. It, it wasn't. I, I started traveling and I already sort of had these things in my back pocket that I luckily was able to be like, oh shit, like I can kind of do this more often than I think. You know. And still save some money in the bank, and I don't have to spend all my all the money that I've saved, and I can kind of keep that there as a cushion. And I can still make money, come home, work for a few months, travel, you know, and then go travel. Excuse me, work for a few months and then go travel or whatever. So that's really how I afforded to travel. You know, I was able to afford to travel early on. Was I just hustled? Uh -huh. But I, you know, had skills that I could do, or I, excuse me, I was using skills that I had developed that were valuable in a freelance environment. And I think. To be able to truly, realistically, I mean, let's just talk, I mean, to be able to travel regularly, like, you have to have the time, like, the flexibility. Absolutely. To be able to go. <clears throat> so, like, you know what I mean? At the time, like, towards, like, you know, before I really was committing to um, selling my company, you know, I was like, do I buy a house? Like, I was at the time, I was like, oh, maybe I should get a house and invest mm -hmm. and shit. All those things, you know, getting married, having kids, all those things can tie you down. Taking a corporate job and focusing on that. And so I think for me, I was like, I was really lucky to have you know um, the ability to do freelancing and i think That's if you awesome. have the ability to do freelancing you really can travel you can travel often so you, you know? talked about sacrifices and those are the things i mean like well i think full sacrifice it's more of like okay so you can freelance and then you can create the time but it's mm -hmm. like now that you have a little bit of money you can go on this trip are you gonna go on this trip or are you gonna go buy that bag wow. so it's more that right and so i think a lot of people are like oh you're so lucky to travel i'm like no nah, girl if i go in your closet <laughs> you know what i mean you know so I think a lot of it's it wasn't like I was doing something profound that I had all this money it was look I figured out a way to make money flat in a flexible way like around my own time I could take on as many jobs as I wanted at a time or not and I could step away from it and come back to it you know what I mean so I, I, I was really lucky in that sense and I didn't I didn't set out to do that it just sort of fell in my lap in a weird way or just sort of worked out in my in my favor um, but I think the sacrifice part, yeah, like I live minimally, like even to, even now, like I don't, <coughs> Ellie was telling me, like, I have like, it's like, it's like the nicest thing I, I have. Oh my like, God. Like I have, I, honey, I go to the thrift shop. I have I shirts that are 10 years shop. old. Oh, yeah. I'm still oh, wearing yeah, yeah. I have underwear. <laughs> 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 yeah. Literally. I probably have like underwear that Same. Like, Same. <laughs> They're like starting to fray at the edges. It's disgusting. Xander but... is disgusted with me. <laughs> but... He's like, bam, I have like literally have underwear that I'm holding. He's like, get rid of that right now. <laughs> yeah. So I think that like, you know, it is something that you have to just, you may, if travel is something you really want to do, you can do it. Make right. it a priority. I mean, within reason. You know what I mean? Like, sure. if you have a responsibility, but you can make it, if you make it a priority, you can do it. And I think if you have skill sets that you can become a freelancer, then do it. Pick up a side job. Dude, I worked the industry. I worked, like, nightclub industry. I went back to, I danced as much as I could. Like, I did anything that allowed me flexibility and freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and I think... And in doing those, and you know, if you go in and like I said, if you go in and you do 120 and you over deliver, then like you get, you actually, you give yourself, 
even more flexibility because then you have, instead of having to come back and like hustle to find work, like you're able to step back into a lot of those roles because people know your work ethic. People mm-hmm. know how, you know what I mean? They know what they're going to get. And so I think, you know, if you know that's something you want to do and you want sort of that freedom, like you have to kind of earn that freedom. And so for me, even as silly as like dancing, like at a nightclub, I know it sounds, you know, but going and doing that and like, I mean, I treated that as a job. Like I went, I shut up early. I would over deliver. I would choreograph for them. I would, you know what I mean? I was like, take, took it super seriously as a job right. and treated it that way. And so when I wanted to come back and he's like, Hey guys, can I like, I would have like shifts would open up for me. Like anything I want to come back early and have as many shifts as you want. Like, but if you just, you know what I mean? If you're sort of a dime a dozen and, or you don't, you're not, if you can just be easily, easily replaced, easily replaced, um, you know, you're not going to have as much freedom. And I think that also is a, a big contributor to, me developing flexibility and sort of having freedom to go and travel because I definitely like made an effort to maintain relationships, build relationships, do, you know, do good effing work that like when I came back, like I had a bit of like a safety net in terms of like knowing I could go back into certain positions. When you were, um, you were just explaining to about choreographing for the nightclub spaces. What I'm hearing from you is that you're thinking more about how the business and the customers and your fellow dancers can prosper and how you can contribute to that. Um, I think that what a lot of, a lot of people kind of have a misconception of is that I'm doing this so that I can travel so that I can. And yes, to some degree, you you did say that to yourself, I'm sure, but it wasn't so self centered around the, the aspect of work ethic. It was, it was actually contributing to other people, right? Yeah. I mean, I I think, yeah, I think, I think it's a little, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you definitely, you know, you want to do good. So people say, Hey, you did well, you know? So, but yeah, I think you definitely like, I don't ever want to do a shitty job for somebody. I don't ever want to like half, like Mm -hmm. half ass sell. Like Mm -hmm. if I know I can do better, like that's, that's, I'm an asshole if I don't, you know, um, or try harder or over deliver, you know what I mean? So for me, I think, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, if you're going to, if you're, especially like if you're going to be a freelancer, like you only are going to get work if you do a good job, you know what I mean? Like you, if you're, if you're relying on word of mouth and you're relying on people to like, you know, throw you a bone or like pick you up for this next project or whatever, you, you know, you really have to like outshine your competition or, or just be able to give them something and this is, I think, the, probably my biggest takeaway. You gotta, you got. I guess yeah. You have, to, like, you have to outshine, yes. But more than that, I think that like you have to sort of like have something more to offer than everyone else. You gotta give them value. Like yeah, yeah. But you also have to like yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. But you know, anytime like and, and pretty much in any industry nowadays, like everyone's a dime a dozen. Like everyone's for the most part replaceable. Mm. I think it's about like you got to be irreplaceable in some aspect. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like if it's great, you can build a website, but Hey, I can also like make your eyes like corporate video. You want to make your corporate video. You know what I mean? Right. I can also make your photography like for your website. I'm going to do that. Like, so I think that like little stuff like that, again, I didn't plan on it being that way, but I was just really lucky that I was able to sort of find like the same with the dance thing. It's like, you know, I was like, Hey guys, I'm only for a few months when I come back, maybe I'll want to dance and all whatever. And okay, sure. And they're like, welcome back. Yeah, because it's, you you know, if I'm, you know, I'm also the one on the team who does all the choreography Uh and I can at least over deliver or give them something else that other people can't. And I think that that I was really lucky in that sense to, you know, make it a priority to like work my ass off to be able to be more than like, I don't not, not, not be more than other people, but just to 
we willing to work harder and, and offer more than yeah. others. And I think it's not a matter of being more than other people, but I think it's being more for other people. That's what you did for the nightclub, for the Yeah, dancers. I mean, sh- yeah, sure. Like, and I mean, I enjoyed it, of course. Like, it's yeah. not, it was totally not a little bit selfish, of course. Sure. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think that you, I, I was, I was just very lucky. I was very yeah. fortunate that I had randomly, you know, put eggs in different baskets mm-hmm. and I, at a time when I really wanted to go explore and figure out what I wanted to do for my life and with my life, um, you know, I was able to sort of go back to those baskets and like, you know, and crack open those eggs and, and make them work for me. For sure. I know, it's like a really lame That's a- metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> We're not metaphor experts, so this is a big deal. So some of the freelance work that you did was for the nightclubs as well then? Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. And I mean, obviously, like, again, it kind of goes back to this weird dichotomy of like, how the hell does dancing a nightclub have to do with like, you know, pursuing X, Y, Z, but like it was a means to an end yep. and it was just something, it was a freelance, something I could do to make money uh-huh. in my own time or, and or around my travels and be able to pursue other stuff. And, and it paid effing well. Like I, why wouldn't I do it if I enjoyed it and I had the ability to do it and I was given the opportunity to do it. Like, of course, you know what I mean? Like right. I, at the time I wasn't going to be turning down any, any jobs or any means of making money, especially if they were flexible and minimal commitment. And I think it's a big, a big thing too, like minimal commitment going back to like, you know, you know, my decision, I'm looking back. It's like, yeah, I wish I would have purchased a house and had the equity and all that stuff. But it was about like having minimal commitment mm-hmm. and have like, if you want to travel, like you can't have a, a lot of things weighing you and holding you down. Too many anchors. It, it, it mm-hmm. is. And so I think that you, I had to, I had to be mindful of like investing in and, and doing a good job and maintaining relationships or positions that, gave me the flexibility, the uh-huh. freedom, um, you know, that weren't going to like, that didn't hold me here, you know? Yeah. So. And at the same time, that's kind of the sacrifice that you're talking about as well. That traditional, like I could have bought the house, I could have built the equity by now, yeah. things of that nature, yeah. which is a pretty conventional path, but here you are. Sure. You know, you know don't get me wrong. There are times <clears> when like, you know, I'm budgeting or I'm seeing, you know, I'm working and I'm sometimes like, Oh God, I don't want like, I wish I just had like a more stable paycheck or I, I just want to get a corporate job. It's safer. It's easier. It's like, I, you know what I mean? I don't have to be, you know, I can just go show up, make my money, go home, and it's easy, you know? Uh-huh. And, and grass is always greener. You know, people see, you know, might see what I do or see my lifestyle and think, oh, wow, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do this. But, like, there are times when I see what you're doing, and I'm like, shit, I wish I could do that. Like, I wish I had that. I wish, mm. you know, so grass is always greener. And I think that, like, you you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt because For there sure. are times when it's not, it's hell, it's not easy. You I know what I mean? I feel like at that point you got to kind of question, like, what's most important to you yeah. at that point, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I think, so for me, I, 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 I'm, I'm very lucky, but, I mean, if, if you, anyone who wants to travel, one, you have to be willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, now, of course, like, if you're, you know, loaded, you know, Um, or have like, you know, unlimited means, like knock yourself out. But like, if you want to travel regularly, you either have to have, you know, you have to have the, one, you have to have the financial ability to do it, mm-hmm. but two, you need the flexibility. So whether that is you have the flexibility because you have a lot of money and you can take time off or you can make money on the road, you know, and obviously at that point you start looking into other avenues, you know, any, I think any traveler or someone who loves to travel and wants to be like a serial traveler starts looking like, okay, I can go home to the States and make money. And that's uh-huh. the thing is. Of course, and then you read other people who kind of go the other route and find ways to make money abroad and working abroad. So you know, or you have people who kind of dabble in both. And I think um, you know, there were times when I was like, well, no, what can? How do you make money as a traveler? And of course, and you explore other avenues and like blogging and whatever mm-hmm. it may be, or people do digital marketing, or you know, nowadays with social media and the way the internet works, and you really can make. I always call it American money. Uh-huh. American money. Um, <laughs> while abroad 
Um, but it, it, for me, I like the old school brick and mortar style of like, I do like coming back here and like being able to work from here and make money from here and then sort of go. And I don't want to be in work mode all the time when I'm traveling. Got you. Like I'll say that like in terms of, you know, I know we'll get to it, but this last trip, like that was something like a really big eye opener for me. Like it takes away from traveling for me. Like I, you know, I don't, I, I personally don't like feeling like I'm going somewhere and, oh, but I also have to like turn out content on the spot or I'm like working or, you know, I, you know, if you do a trade or you pick it, pick up a job and you do like a video for a lodge or whatever, like it sucks. Like that, yeah. it t- that's not traveling to me. Like that's not experiencing. Because you know you're I mean? disconnected from yeah, what you're supposed like to be connected yeah, to. Yeah. And, and I just think, yeah. And it's just, my thing is like, I might as well be at home doing this and I probably make more money doing it anyway. Yeah. You know? so, I got you. Um, but yeah, I think for sure. I think to, to, that to be my advice. People want to travel. I'm like, you know, stop buying, stop buying shit. You don't need, <laughs> you know what I mean? If you really want to travel yeah. and you're kind of like, oh, I want to travel, but I don't have the money. And I'm like, you probably do. And you probably could afford to go. Dude, I, I was telling somebody, they couldn't believe it. Um, I saw tickets. Xander and I went to India last year. My ticket, round trip ticket, $480. Unbelievable. I'm like, dude, like that's like literally how much some people spend eating out for the month. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some people travel to Seattle with that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's like, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. all about, I think you have to be willing to sacrifice one and two, like you do, you, you got to be smart about how you're going to, how you're going to fund it. And, yeah. and I think anything that's not tying you down, if you can be flexible, freelancing stuff, those are all like good avenues to, you know, you're likely not going to be able to travel 10 times a year if you have a corporate job. Again. Shit. Maybe you can. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned earlier that you had learned a very specific set of skills, mm, sounding so very official. taken. <laughs> so official. But you'd learned, you know, um, how to film, edit, and put together media and, and, and videography and all of that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you had this passion for conservation efforts, too, global conservation. Tell me about the transition of how you married those two passions. Yeah, um, I think, like I said, you know, I, I was, sorry, that was... The little ding of my, um, you know, so I'm out there traveling. I was like, I knew I wanted to be out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't exactly sure. Like what I wanted to be, you know, I knew that like, I wanted to be traveling. I, you know, I like conservation. I like having my camera, uh, but I wasn't sure what it all meant. And it took me a while. Like I said, I started kind of really focusing on like the volunteer stuff and letting those sort of leave my travels early on. Um, and then, um, as I was doing that, I started noticing a lot of the organizations that I was going volunteering with, um, they really could use help with like media and marketing. And, you know, you go and you, you meet amazing people who are doing amazing stuff, like on the front lines of conservation, um, you know, who don't have the, the means, whether it's financially, the time, whatever it may be to sort of promote themselves, tell their story. And they're doing really cool shit. That's like important that deserves support, you know? And nowadays, you know, with, with digital media and, and social media and all that stuff, like, it's so easy if, you know, it's so easy to sort of do that and take advantage of those things, you know, um, you know, low cost and, and get your story out there. Um, but you just need someone to help you sort of do it if you don't have the means and the time to do it. And so I really saw this, um, I sort of like see this sort of reoccurring in every project I go to. Like they didn't mm. have a video. Like, I wanted to go and like be able to like tell tell everyone about your volunteer project. That's I asked a lot of people like, how do you get a lot of your funding to keep doing what you're doing and rescue these animals or do these community based conservation projects? It's you know a lot of it was really volunteer based. A lot of it was you know we get our funding yes grants and all that, but like our you know sixty to seventy percent of a lot of these projects we're getting or 70 percent of um, funding for a lot of these projects was coming from volunteers, hmm. and you know and 
my thing is like, how can people know about your volunteer project? Like, how are people finding out about I was it? Just like, what? Ask how did you even come? So to, you, you know, know, I think that like if you really want to like find out about it, uh-huh. you find out about it. You, you know, I was yeah. like, I'm joined and like Scoured I'm like in all like these, crazy. yeah, I'm in yeah. all these like groups, and I was like, you know, I was like cool. a total dork about like getting really into that stuff. But for like the general public, like I think some of my friends would be interested in some of these projects or considering, you know, oh, they're going to Thailand, maybe they'll do this really cool project with you know elephant conservation yeah. or you know, um, but they just need to know about it. And so I was kind of, and I started to see sort of this. Um, area that I felt my skills, my important skills, mm-hmm. and I was gonna, my skill set could be useful to these organizations. Sure, I can come and I can show up and I can volunteer and I can, you know, do whatever and help build stuff and this and that, but I can do more than that. Like, I can be, you know what I mean? I wanted to, like, over-deliver um, for these projects and be more helpful and be more of an asset to them, you know, with whatever it was that I had. Um, and so that, I think, is really what started a, me really focusing on, like, videography, videography and conservation storytelling and sort of using my my media skill set and marketing and helping even like web development and all that helping and sort of gifting that and donating my time to these organizations that I really believed in um you know and then of course you know as that goes and I started thinking like bigger and like wanting to tell more broad stories and and you know wider conservation stories not just focus on just like volunteer projects or you know you know one organization sort of tell more like overarching stories to really help expand like on a global message and I think so I really started doing more um like documentary style not like start I'm still working on more Uh like you know documentary style like big picture global conservation versus just you know it's a a lot easier to tell and I'm still figuring out how to do it you know I can show up I I can get a sense of what you guys are doing I can help tell that story it's fine but like how do I tie this into like even a bigger message and Mm -hmm. and um you know and use filmmaking as a a tool in a way and avenue to do that so um that's really what led me more like really started leading me into like conservation filmmaking I know Uh I said like really oh conservation storytelling but that's really what sort of being I started seeing value in like yeah and in visual storytelling for for conservation like you know in the big picture yeah so these organizations then hired you on as well as you can conducting volunteer work to help them yeah so that's I, awesome no so not i mean no i'm hired on no i'm mm. doing all this for free I mean. uh, oh <laughs> yeah i was doing all this for free yeah, oh my so, gosh yeah, yeah. come at me then uh, yeah. Holy oh, cow. no so um that's i think been the biggest challenge too i sort of not like I'm, I'm, I love what I'm doing and I'm so grateful and so passionate and I've met amazing people and I wouldn't take it back or change it for the world. Oh yeah. I but think that goes without question. I sometimes I'm like, damn Marlena, couldn't you have picked something you could actually have made money doing, <laughs> you know? So I had, a, I, you know, to, to do these things that I was passionate about, like, again, the whole point was not to try and go and sell myself and, and, cool. and get something Respect. myself. Respect. My I thing is it. like, these are, I was doing this because I saw they needed it. I'm not going to be like, Oh, you need this. Let, you know, yeah. let me bet you. Here's my, like, here's my package. You need yeah. this. Mm-hmm. I can do it for you. Like, that's my contribution to conservation. Like, mm-hmm. And I think early on, like, when I started really exploring the conservation arena and, and traveling and getting a better understanding of, like, a lot of, like, the wider global conservation issues um, and figuring out my place, like, maybe it was going to be field biology. Like, maybe I was going to go and be, like, a project manager and go work on, you know, in the field and all that. And the more I started, like, going out and getting my feet wet and experiencing that, the more I was like, no, like, like, that's not, you know what I mean? That's not for me. Honestly, kudos to them because that life is hard. Like, that life is hard and they're doing, like, the real work. Like, what I do is, like, much more, like, you know, I can go in, you know, I can, that's fine. Like, I can live in the bush for a month or, like, in the jungle for a few weeks and, you know, shit in the bushes. That's fine. But, like, that's their life for years. I mean, these people are dedicated. And so I think that, like, the least I can do is 
support the people that are doing like the real work. Got it. Is how Got I looked it. at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I felt like over time I was like, that's my best contribution. You know what I mean? Like I knew, I, I knew I wasn't going to make it as a field researcher. Like maybe I'd do it for a couple of years and then I'd be like, no, this isn't the life I want. Uh-huh. Like, so, or, you know, project manager. So I really felt like that was like probably the best way that I could be useful in the conservation arena was sort of bring these skills that are, are valuable. And it's something, it's funny because when people, when you think, especially when you're travel if you go and you work in conservation or you visit like a project like media and marketing isn't something you think about being an important aspect of conservation or wildlife conservation mm-hmm. or the wildlife industry but like it is like this is something they're, they're it's still spreading the yeah the yeah you I mean that's how they get a lot of their funding and their support yeah. so i think that i really saw a need for media in the conservation arena and i really wanted to like explore that and but i knew early on that i wasn't gonna be able to charge these i mean i'm sure you could don't get me wrong there are I organizations it. i get it that, you know, but I wasn't, I don't want to focus on the organizations that like are doing well. Like I want to focus on the, you know, the, uh, not the WWFs and the, you know, these organizations that are getting, have big sponsors, big donors. Like I really want to focus on these small to medium sized organizations that are doing really great stuff in like communities and, and, you know, focusing on like specific species and, and on creating, you know, I wanted to focus on them who are doing really great work, but they don't like, nobody knows what they're doing. So that was sort of, how project conservation started. I don't know if that's like a good time to segue into that. Yeah, totally. Maybe I'm talking. No, that's totally fine. That's actually what I was hoping to get to Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I'm trying to figure out also the timeline of your work too, because I'm picking up the pieces from social media, but so you've got project conservation and I know that there was also the Nat Geo um, film. Yeah. So, Tell me about that. First of all, yeah. what, what is what was it, and then how did you get it become yeah. involved? So, you know, I started my explorations and doing these little conservation videos and films and whatever, and figuring out my way in that. And then in that process, in thinking, well, where do I really fit in conservation? And still being open to you know other things, maybe the biology, the field biology, and field research. I decided to go back to school again, and I don't think we got to that, but no. I'll just throw it out. So I decided yeah. to go back to school um, to get it back to grad school again. So I. You know, because my background was in advertising and, and then my, my MBA. And I was like, oh, I need something a little more. I wanted to have a more solid, like, educational. Because I'll say this about the conservation industry. Like, it is pretty tough. And, like, it is hard to also get taken seriously if you don't have. Everyone is, like, a PhD. Everyone's a, you know, something. Oh. So I think to be able to earn respect and sort of um, be able to have those conversations and be able to really, like, truly like work in the in that industry i felt like i needed to have a i needed to earn my stripes a bit mm-hmm. um i couldn't just be like this girl was like oh my god guys i love wildlife like let me come you know did we be a part of your project uh-huh. um i really wanted to one have like a foundation knowledge wise um but also i wanted like i said i kind of really wanted to earn my place and i wanted to be able to take it a little seriously so i was have like, an you know authoritative stance yeah too. and so yeah, i you know so I, I decided to go back to school for biology conservation biology um, and in that, in my program, the program that I did through Miami University, they, it was a very field research based. So every, every summer you go abroad and you do your, you know, your field research projects and then you base like your master's plan around like what you're doing. And in that research, again, this continuous theme of, or of, organ, of organizations, but this continuous theme of media, like there's not enough people supporting in, um, there's not enough media supporting conservation. Um, and so even like in my grad school, like I was seeing sort of this reoccurring theme of like, God, like they could use more help with media and marketing. They could use more help with media and marketing. Mm-hmm. I just really saw this, like this area that was sort of ignored. <clears throat> like I was the only person in my entire graduate program who was, everyone else was doing very like traditional conservation master plans. Like they all, they're these, you know, they were all very based on 
you know, whether it be educational or whether it be species-based or, you know, whatever. But like I pitched this, my whole master plan was on media as a conservation tool because I really believe like there was a space for it. It's just something that is, it hasn't been explored because it's not like a traditional science, you know, based thing. And so that really, so as part of my project, I, I did a one conservation film called Wild Heroes of Uganda. Um, I just took some footage that I had done during a, a month-long trip in Uganda, and I went to a few different projects and saw like a real overarching theme of how I can try and use um, different types of storytelling um, to, I guess, create the call to action. And so I built, like I did this big project on testing different types of media against each other to see what could be most effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that process, I ended up editing one short film. And, um, and then I did it for my class, and then I had someone send me um, this this Nat Geo short film contest. I was like, hey, you know, you should totally, that film you did for, for school, you should totally submit that. Um, and that's how that came about. And I just submitted it. And I was like, I didn't tell anybody. until my mom. I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do it. Um, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll think about it. So I just submitted it because I was like, there's no way in hell. Like, it's yeah. Nat Geo, like, obviously. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, and I just, you know, I did it as a school project, not thinking mm, much of it. And then I sent it in and then like, forgot it. I literally forgot about it because right. I was like, there's no way in hell. So I just sent it in just to send it in. Fine. Um, and then, yeah. And then like, I don't know, two weeks later I get a random email and it's like, Oh, we love your film. And you're one of the finalists for our nice. competition. And I was like, Oh my God, I was living the light at the time. I remember, I remember specifically the day where I was, um, <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. Like this is that's a big deal. I was like, that's so I think for me, yeah, of course it's, it's, it's amazing. And not do you any creative, you know, what any creative person in the wildlife industry, whether they're a photographer or videographer, filmmaker, Nacho is like the Holy grail stuff. Without right. Um, and I think for me, it was more of it, what was so important and what, why that, why that meant so much to me. Cause it was more of a, it solidified what I believe was important in the world of conservation. For me, it was like, I felt like I was doing something right. So it wasn't, it was less about like, Oh my, I'm, you know, did they, I was going, I went to the film festival. They, they flew me out to this mm-hmm. film festival and it was all that. It was less about like the Nat Geo film festival thing. It was uh-huh. more like shit. Like, you know what? Like, yeah, conservation media on conservation is important. And I think it really like was, that was it for me in terms of, yeah, like this, like what you're doing, like you, you know, you obviously have a lot of work to do Mar, but you're on the right track. Like you're onto something that is, is worth what you're putting in. Like that's awesome. The time, <clears throat> money, like, yeah, I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I've, this is what I've, I have, I've never invested so much money in my life into anything. Like in terms of like wanting to do this, you know, this conservation storytelling and project conservation, just so I can just give it to people because yeah. I really, that's how much I really believe in the importance of marrying these two industries. That's you know? awesome. So, so, and then project conservation came because of the confidence and more of like the, the reassurance that no, like you, you are on the right path that the Natio thing gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like it was great. And it was a, it was a, something I could build off of, you know, when I was applying for like my, you know, 501c3 and, you know, showing that like, look, like I'm, you know, I've been doing this for a while. Like I'm, I'm no way, you know, an expert, but I'm doing it long enough and I'm, you know, and I have a couple of things that I can show to sort of say like, Hey, yeah, she kind of is, you know, on the right track or something. Yeah, and she's, she's not just joking around. Like, I'm not not just, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. a hobby. So uh-huh. I think that that really helped me and put, and if anything more, it pushed me to take it to the next level mm-hmm. in terms of, okay, like how can I do this for real? And not just like in my spare time around other stuff and like, if this is my avenue, it's time to like step it up a notch. And so that's when I was like, you know, what? I'm going to make it official 
because before I was, I was just doing it randomly on the side or, you know, I had like a little media business. I would do it under that. And so, but I was like, no, I need to make it official, take it away from anything that's commercial, completely separate, separate it. Um, and, and, and yes, realistically find a way to start having it fund itself. Um, I, I'll, I'll still, you know, continue to like drive that vehicle For sure. and, and, and invest in it. But at a certain point, I'm like, realistically, I can't just like come and save all my money and then go and spend it to make these films. You know, I mean, I'll, I'm spending hundreds of hours, you know, a month editing. And it's like, I, sh- I also have to pay my bills and work and make money. So I have to be realistic about that aspect. And the thing is, is, you know, you can only do as a one woman show or whatever. You know, I obviously have brought on other people. Like Xander has been such a big help with like filming and all that. But that's still like a new thing. Like prior to this, I was doing it all by myself. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's like as a one woman band, you know, show band, you can only accomplish so much and you can only help so many organizations. You can only tell so many stories because um, I'm was limited to, you know, the finances of, you know, being able to actually fund those projects and go out there and get out there and, um, you know, and just man hours, like a man hour wise, like I, there's only, you know, I can only yeah. do so much. So I think the starting project conservation as like an official nonprofit and really now trying to build that brand up and, you know, work on getting grants and funding and, um, and find other ways of driving, you know, um, um, support into project conservation so that it can continue to support other projects, um, is really like right now, probably my main focus. Um, and then figuring out realistic ways of how I can do that given my skill set, given things that also that I'm interested in, um, that it won't take away from that, but sort of they, they cross right. one another, um, I think is sort of where I'm at like a, right now, like in this moment. All right, I've got to cut it off right there. As you've heard throughout our discussion, Marlena dabbled in several different career paths. As she tried one thing, outgrew another, and explored opportunities to travel, she stumbled upon her purpose. So this was part one of a two-part series with Marlena Moreno. I'll be back in a week to share part two where you'll learn more about Marlena's project conservation, her blog, Margon Wild, and you'll even meet Xander, Marlena's partner in the field and in life. Before I let you go, please take a moment also to screenshot that you listened to today's episode and share them on your stories via social platforms, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, etc. And be sure to tag me at underscore Eddie Mac and Marlena at Marlena Moreno. Screenshot, tag it, share it, and thank you for your continued support of Setting Stages. Have a productive and meaningful day, everybody. Let's go.